The following is a production of the Phoenix Studios Podcast Network here at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. For more podcasts, be sure to visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts. This is Serious Serious Fun. Welcome to another new Serious Fun, the second of two shows recorded live at this year's Brown County Public Library Comic-Con. Last time you heard my chat with comics creator Mike Norton, this time it's another crossover, gotta go with what works, but with the fellas behind the podcast all the rage here on Phoenix Studios. Now we've been talking about doing a special episode on The Hulk to coincide with the release of the new movie Thor Ragnarok for a while. We agreed that the Brown County Public Library Comic-Con was probably the best place to do it. I mean, if you're gonna do it anywhere, Comic-Con's the place, right? So we got together, we sat down, and we hashed out the finer points of the Incredible Hulk, as well as what he represents in terms of anger, masculinity, and aggression. So please enjoy this episode of Serious Fun recorded live at the Brown County Public Library Comic-Con event on Saturday, October 7th, 2017. All right, well, hello and welcome, everybody. Uh, we are here at the Brown County Public Library. It's Comic-Con. Let's get a round of applause for Comic-Con. Let's get a... Yeah, we're really excited. There we go. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, thank you. That was a great round of applause. Uh, we are here to invite you to a fantastic crossover presented in the Mary Phoenix Studios manner. Not a dream, not a hoax, not an imaginary story. These twin titans of podcast excellence are together at last, or again, in the tradition of other great superhero team-ups, we'll probably have a knockdown, drag-out fight, realize more alike than we are different, and then join forces to wage marketable conflict against an even greater foe, in this case, the Incredible Hulk's anger issues. Uh, we are, of course, live again from the Brown County Library in downtown Green Bay. It's Comic-Con. With me today, I have the ever-loving, blue-eyed chair of psychology at UWGB, Ryan Martin. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. My eyes are green. Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> the joke. T- <laughs> I knew that joke wasn't going to work, but I wrote it anyway because I just, I'm determined. Um, the current interim dean of the College of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences, and true believer himself, Chuck Ryback. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Chuck? Well, thanks good. for having me. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Uh, what, what color are your eyes, Chuck? My eyes are interim blue. <laughs> <laughs> your eyes are blue. actually blue. <laughs> no, they no they're not. Okay. They are hazel. <laughs> yep. See, I've never looked that closely into yeah, your eyes. We don't stare into each other's eyes as much as we should I, be. I, maybe yeah. we should. Maybe no, we should. Let's start that uh, today. And I yep. am, I am uh, your uh, host of Serious Fun. Uh, the gentleman, of course, the host of All the Rage. I'm the host of Serious Fun, uh, communication information science professor uh, Brian Carr. And uh, I do a lot of research into gender and race and superhero comics and video games and all that good stuff. So that's what we're here to talk about today. And uh, this episode is actually going to be airing as sort of a uh, double feature. It's going to be on the Serious Fun feed and then maybe some small alterations. We'll be putting it on All the Rage feed a little bit later on too so mm-hmm. a lot of cool stuff to look forward to um, but today we are here to talk about old Jade Jaws himself the Incredible Hulk uh, as you can see we've got the Hulks in front of us you actually might not be able to see we just move, move over to the sides here there we go look at that all right um, now we want a lot to talk about we want to talk about the Incredible Hulk specifically what he represents and what he has to say about masculinity anger and aggression now I'm willing to bet most of you here know who the Hulk is but for those of you who don't I'm getting ahead of myself there we go the Hulk was introduced in May of 1962, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, uh, where physically weak, socially withdrawn, and emotionally reserved physicist Bruce Banner was turned into the Incredible Hulk after saving his friend from a gamma bomb blast. Creator, co-creator Stan Lee says the character was based on Frankenstein as well as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Now, Hulk has been one of the most prominent and popular characters in the Marvel canon, from, uh, starting in the 1970s TV series with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. Uh, there were numerous animated series. In 2003, we got our first big-budget Hulk movie, a very strange and kind of interesting, but also sort of hard to watch Ang Lee film. Um, in 2008, he joins the Marvel Cinematic Universe after a year, few years of rights negotiations. Uh, and then in 2012, Ed Norton is replaced by Mark Ruffalo, and Mark Ruffalo is your new Hulk. And so that has become the Hulk for a whole new generation of fans. So he's very enduring. He's been around for um, over 50 years at this point. Um, but we have a lot of stuff to talk about because the Hulk speaks to something, I think, mm-hmm. in, in, our, in our psyche. That's part of why he endures, right? Um, but this is a character who's built around anger. 
and I'm gonna yield to the anger researcher in the room, and you, you're gonna throw a bomb right off the bat. Yeah. Well, the first thing I want to say is that I think Lou Ferrigno looks amazing. Yeah. As Hulk. I, I'd forgotten that. So for those of you listening, you can't see this, but no. Google a picture yeah. of Lou Ferrigno. You're as at a the computer. Hulk, he, yeah. <laughs> Just look he, it up. He looks incredible. Um, yeah. So I'm a. His hair uh, looks great. His actually. hair. His <laughs> hair in particular looks great. So, um, I. Um, so I'm an anger researcher. Uh, I uh, have been studying this for a long time. That's what all the rage is. Uh, a lot of it is about is about anger and violence. And um, and I have for a long time, and kind of thought that when it comes to anger, the Hulk is actually super boring. What? Um, now I will say this. Now I want to point out that you are saying a guy who is like ten feet tall and can shatter mountains with his fists is boring. Yeah. No, I'm saying when it comes to anger, he is boring. Okay. I think when it comes to other things, he is interesting. Um, and I've been. I, I want to back things up a little bit and say I am actually just newly a comic book guy. Um, I have not. I, I don't have much of a history with uh, with reading comics. This is actually something that I've started in the in the last sort of four years or so and actually to prepare for this I did some homework and I read or I'm reading Planet Hulk gifted to me by uh, Chuck here so these sound like a lot of excuses yeah. a lot of excuses um, no but let me say to, to me if you're thinking about the movies and the Hulk and, and, and that's where I mostly know the character from um, it all kind of comes down to the one line that uh, Bruce Banner in the TV show used to say, don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry, right? Or that, right. you know? In the sense of that they, they simplify anger down to a very, very particular thing, which is yelling, screaming, knocking stuff down. And anger is so much more complicated and so much more interesting than that. People can express anger in a host of different ways. Anger isn't inherently bad, which I think sometimes the, the character describes. Anger is actually inherently good. Um, it's it's valuable. Uh, it, it has this evolutionary value that that um, uh, you know that helps us recognize when we've been wronged, and then energizes us to confront that injustice. And I think that there's a lot about this character that doesn't necessarily do it justice. So that's my my take on why it's boring. I will say this: the the what I've been reading lately is much much more interesting because there's so much more to him than the anger piece but the but the book or the movie and the show seems so much just about okay he can't control himself you know right. and that's not it's, that it's anger as a destructive kind of awful thing to be controlled mm -hmm. and avoided and in fact in the planet hulk story you've been reading that is something that happens he's literally sent off to another planet because they don't want to deal with his anger issues anymore right mm -hmm. right um so that is kind of an interesting point, um, like the, the idea that Hulk is not inherently interesting. I want to share with you a, a, a quote okay. that I found um, from Ang Lee. Uh, mm -hmm. When he was talking about the Hulk movie, he talked about what attracted him um, to the film. Okay, mm -hmm. Now, Ang Lee is Asian. I believe he's a Taiwanese. Mm -hmm. And um, he talked about like what the character means to him and to other Asian Americans, saying basically um, that the Hulk is sort of what, what's interesting is that he represents this idea of repression and the sort of harmful thing that happens when you are... Uh, uh, repress yourself to meet some sort of social expectation or some sort of social understanding. He said, like, for myself and a lot of other Asian Americans who have perceived and sort of pursued art as a, mm -hmm. as a thing, and, and you know, often in, uh, against what our parents wanted, the Hulk speaks to us for that because it is sort of like keeping that at bay. And so I wonder if that maybe that's a more interesting way of looking yes. at it from that idea yep. of the Hulk as repression of anger and repression of self. Yes, and I think so. And I think that that is a much more interesting look. I will say, I don't think that came out in that movie. No, um. no. <laughs> I, all I remember from that movie are like giant mutant poodles or something like that. Yeah. Giant mutant yeah. poodles. Gamma yeah. poodles. That yeah. was, I think, the tagline for the movie. Wasn't if if it, it wasn't, Hulk, it should have been. Giant mutant I obviously need to see this now. You, never, you, <laughs> see, you no. have to watch it. It's, okay. it's beautiful, but it's so weird. Yeah. I didn't know there were poodles in it. So. There, are, there are several dogs. That Nick are Nolte's in that, right? Yes, Nick he Nolte? is. And in, yeah. I don't think that he even did makeup. I think he just showed up to the set looking like a crazy, bedraggled old man. This awesome. is getting better by yeah. the minute. <laughs> um, no, I think that is a more interesting take on, on the Hulk. And I would argue that that is, you know, that is the the downside of thinking of anger in such a limited way is that we fail to recognize all of the ways in which anger motivates us or can motivate us to do good, right? To, um, but if we think of it as when I get mad, I lose control, which mm -hmm. so far has been what the Marvel universe has, has more or less um, put forward uh, with the Hulk. If we think about it that way, then it's really, really limiting, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really do the emotion justice. Okay. Hmm. 
Uh, and now, Chuck, the other thing, uh, I'm giving you both kind of a chance to make an opening statement yeah, of sorts. Sure. You said something interesting. I don't have it written down here, so I'm going to let you kind of do, uh, do your comment justice. Yep. But you find the Hulk fascinating, but for completely different reasons. Yeah, I, I read the Hulk as negative space in some ways, that he's one of the few heroes, comic book heroes, I can think of where I don't necessarily interpret their character in any way, maybe for the reasons that you're saying, but I feel like his whole purpose is so that you can interpret the people around him, that he's not so much the thing that you need to think about, it's how people react to him at Mm -hmm. all times, and I'm not sure that I think of other characters in that way. I could think of Captain America or Spider-Man and think about them as people and characters who have issues and are changing, but the Hulk, to your point, Ryan, doesn't really seem to change much over time, but the people around him change all the time, and so I see him as like Mm -hmm. throwing society and the people in society into relief in some way. Um, I just recently read Planet Hulk and the prelude to uh, Planet Hulk, right, which we brought up. Which is great. It's amazing. I love it. And if you don't know the... The short summary of that is that his good friends decide to launch him to another planet and to keep the world safe um, from him. And so, I don't know, if you have any friends that you're having trouble with, feel free to (laughs) launch them to another planet for your own good. Um, But it's pretty much their reaction to that. And then what follows through is the Hulk, of course, getting really mad about that. Um, But he ends up on another planet, which is Planet Hulk, the series. And again, that whole collection i don't know how many issues that was brian maybe you know off the top uh, of your head usually arcs running like six issues maybe 12 i think that was might actually been a 12 issue arc but it, it really is a whole it's not just a small group of people but it's an entire planet responding to the presence of this new force and how they coalesce around him and use him for different things and so somebody wants to use him to overthrow the powers that be and so you do that um somebody another character falls in love with him and marries him on Planet Hulk. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, well, I don't know if they have a ceremony or not, but they're a couple, right? Is that yeah, fair to say? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. And so I just read him as negative space that you're supposed to interpret what's around him. And the opening of the prelude to Planet Hulk is the first, um, it's a lead into the Iraq war. And so there's, there's kind of a setup there for mm-hmm. how you're going to respond to a significant event or an act of violence. It's more about reaction than the action. Okay. So that's my take on that. Well, it's kind of interesting uh, you bring that because I think um, one of the things that's interesting about that particular storyline, which I guess is going to inform a lot of our conversation, um, is that this is an itch- a situation that the planet he lands on is essentially a gladiator planet. It is a right. planet where aggression and violence and like hyper-masculinity are really encouraged. They are valorized. And he sort of takes to it like a duck to water. And so I think there's something interesting about that. I don't know if you guys want to kind of is- poke at that. So let me ask the first question, just out of curiosity. Is this the same planet that the next Thor is? It is. Or? So the Thor Ragnarok is drawing from the storyline, but oh, okay. I don't know if it's the same planet or not, because some of the characters and that sort of thing in okay. the Planet Hulk storyline are actually tied up in rights mm-hmm. disputes with other companies right now. Right. So, um, But they are definitely drawing very heavily from it, and I would not be surprised if that's the case. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I would say one thing about that is... Um, one of my favorite recent films is Mad Max Fury Road. Any Fury Road fans in oh, here? Yes. So, yeah. yay. I, lo- I love the enthusiastic <clears throat> raising of hands. Yes, yes. that's good. We yeah. do very much enjoy the Mad Max. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank it you. It is good. Um, I think one of the implicit or explicit messages in that film is that sometimes force is the only way out of a situation. Mm-hmm. The most memorable line from that film for me is they won't stop unless we make them stop, which is. And, you know, a commentary on violence and mm-hmm. force as a means of escape or justice. And I see the same thing in Planet Hulk. Right. That he gets there and there is, there is severe injustice in the world. And it's clear that the only way that that is going to change is through not just a mild amount of force, but a big green hulking amount of force yes, is going to be required. A gigantic <laughs> fist smashing through people's heads. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, that's, go ahead. I was going to say, and I think to me, you know, Planet Hulk, one of the things that really spoke to to me was um, how emotions are, the the value of them is contextual. Right. You know, and the the situation you're in and how you use them in those situations. And so here's here's a character that can only express anger one way, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then we we put him in a setting where that that one way is the way that works. Right. You know, and, and allows him to be successful. Right. 
Yeah, and that's interesting though, but it is sort of the suggestion that like almost implicit in that is that the Hulk and the way he expresses anger, like our society is not set up to help him. Our society mm-hmm. is not set up to accommodate for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, essentially, it's like that's right in the text of the story, where it's like we like the, where you have Doctor Strange and Iron Man and Black Panther, the smartest guys in the world, basically saying we don't really want to deal with this. We have we've exhausted right. all possible options. Um, so we're just going to mm-hmm. send him and let somebody. And it's really irresponsible letting some other planet deal with this. I don't even think they knew where they were sending him in retrospect. Right. Well, um, they sent him to the wrong place. That's right. right. Like yeah. The, the, <laughs> the wrong coordinates is, yeah. the, is the lesson there. Yeah. I, they, it's incredibly it's, irresponsible. Is, <laughs> is that true, though? I mean, that's part of what I'm trying to figure out. Is it true that our society is not set up? Well, to that's handle? what I'm asking you. You're yeah. the anger researcher, and I'm I, the comics guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like, it does seem like anger and violence solve a lot of problems here in ways that they probably shouldn't, that mm-hmm. they lead to success in ways right. that, you know, I, I, I guess I have not necessarily thought of our society as a place that, I, I know we don't like anger and violence, mm-hmm. but I, I haven't necessarily thought of it as a place where those things aren't rewarded, you right. know, in lots of ways, right? I think there's lots of examples of us rewarding anger and violence in, in modern day America, or at least not adequately punishing it. Mm-hmm. Um, people certainly use it as a strategy to get their way right. um, routinely, whether it's, yeah, in, in lots of ways. Mm-hmm. So again so we're already digging at some stuff where the hulk is again like if you look at the best superhero stories they are sort of a mirror of mm-hmm. our culture right um and they can shape it in ways in some ways too which we could also talk about later um but they really mirror and you if you look go back to the original hulk stories and you mm-hmm. look at what they were about there was you know that strong sort of like anti-war sort of you know anti-nuclear war specifically that this is essentially like sort of like godzilla this is the ultimate outcome the hulk is metaphor for the destructive capability of uh, of uh nuclear weapons right and you know that idea of anger as a superpower that idea of anger as something that you know becomes the source of agency you know and tying it to something that is that inherently destructive i mean what do you guys think about that idea of anger as a superpower like do you think mm-hmm. that there's something there because i'm like because they, they even make fun of this in uh, the movie mystery men with uh, mis- with uh, <laughs> mr furious yeah <laughs> where like great. his powers he just gets really really angry but he's mm-hmm. still just a guy right um what do you think about that that is a tough one you know i in going back to Ryan's comment about anger a little bit and how it is rewarded or supported mm-hmm. in some ways like anger is always the end of something like it's not the beginning of something mm-hmm. right so if you're applying it to classic plot arcs that anger is the end result it's where you end up mm-hmm. and in some ways that is a superhero narrative right. right like that there's a building there and then there's a turning point that is an explosion of sorts and the rising action, yeah. the falling I mean, action. So it, it fits neatly with a standard sort of mm-hmm. narrative plot arc uh, on top of that. There's even the denouement at the end, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like you, you calm down and things sort of look different. But I think about the, the most recent film and all the films collapse in my head. And so the part when it's the one that I remember the most when he says, I'm always angry. Right, from Avengers, Avengers, yes. He just turns that... Um, if that's going to be the case, then that is a power, right? Because right. they have their power all the time, well, unless you, it comes and goes. That, go ahead. Uh, so I want to pick up on that, because to me, so I, much of my gripe about the Hulk has really been leveled at the, the most recent Marvel movies, which I don't think have done the character justice. I mean, I, I feel like in the, in the movies, we've seen the same narrative all the time. Hey, he's hard to control. What do we do? You know, mm-hmm. and. And to me, the point at which I thought things were going to get interesting is that point right there. Mm-hmm. In um, the, the first Avengers, near the end, when he said, that's my secret, I'm always angry, right? Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be, get interesting. I thought we were going to move into some other things. And then Avengers 2 picked up exactly, not where they left off, but where that movie started. Right. It, is, it is serious fun policy that we don't discuss Age of Ultron. Okay. okay. Sounds, that is, that is the one we cannot talk <laughs> about because no. I, it, it, it com- you're right, it completely undercuts every bit of yep. plot development and character development for the Hulk in that movie and they but make the, him to this like docile child who has no control over his formula, actions. The formula there though is that anger is the opposite of intelligence. Right. right? right. Because he is a scientist and so to become the Hulk he has to be what he's not, which is a really right. smart resourceful person so right. anger is the opposite of being mm-hmm. smart but you're but saying that's not the case i don't think that's well, the case. i want to come back to the idea in a little bit because there are other hulk characters out there and not all of them use the hulkness in the same way we'll talk about that in a little mm-hmm. bit 
The Hulkness. The Hulkness. Yep. The Hulkness. I like yeah. that. It's like that'd be a, a great album title or something. As it's a like, noun. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. We can. We can actually talk about them right now. How about that? So I want to oh. introduce you. Um, a lot of you probably know. I'm, I'm. I'm looking out the crowd, and some of you probably already know some of these characters. But um, there are two Hulks that interest me. Um, and oh, there we go. All right. Um, the one on the left is She-Hulk, Jennifer Walters, the cousin of Bruce Banner, uh, who uh, is a lawyer, uh, again, a very meek sort of reserved lawyer, who gets an emergency blood transfusion, of course, because Bruce has the Hulk blood, she gets the Hulk blood, and she's now the Hulk, but she's She-Hulk. Um, and they're then cousins? They're cousins. You didn't know that? I just, never, I won't tell you what I thought. Never mind. Just <laughs> keep going. <laughs> I, I don't want to know what you thought. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, other character on the right is a more recent character, Amadeus Cho, the totally awesome Hulk. Amadeus Cho is, I believe, um, in Marvel continuity, the seventh smartest person in the world. He was the Hulk's friend for a very long time. And uh, with the recent death of Bruce Banner in the comics, of course, I'm about six wow, months behind. Oh, yeah, my so goodness. This, it, hap- yeah. it happened six months, like almost a year ago at this point. Great. Um, Just great. Yeah, he'll, it's comics. He'll be back. Um, <laughs> But uh, he's taken over the mantle, and his version of the Hulk is, again, he's uh, incredibly intelligent still, but he does essentially what you'd expect a 21 or 22-year-old kid um, to use the Hulk powers for, which is to show off, look cool, and pick up girls. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we have the She-Hulk, who is, you know, her, her version of the powers is that she's bigger and stronger, and she feels more confident, sexy, that whole sort of thing. Um, and she actually prefers being Hulk. She doesn't see it as something to reject. This is something she actually, she doesn't like being Jennifer Walters. She will spend as much time as possible as She-Hulk. And with Amadeus Cho, he can sort of turn it off and on as he sees fit. So both these characters represent, I think, coming back to that idea of repression, the Hulk almost acts, or the Hulkness, I guess for lack of a better term, almost acts as a way for these characters to either compensate for something or that sort of uh, might be missing in their, in their personality or exacerbate it or um, sort of toss off the sort of uh, social impositions that were put on them. What do you guys think of that? So I'll say, knowing nothing about either of these characters other than what she just said, I mean, I think She-Hulk in particular sounds really interesting from a feminist empowerment perspective and thinking about it, knowing that that women who express anger in an outward aggressive way oftentimes... you know, it, it is not perceived well. Right. Um, and it, you know, th- there's recent research that points to women expressing their anger leading to them, um, uh, people re- reviewing them with, with uh, decrease in competence, thinking they're not as competent, mm-hmm. but men actually... You mean like in a workplace? Yep, in yep. a workplace. Men know that the competence is viewed more favorably when they express their anger. And so th- it sounds to me like there's a really interesting mm-hmm. kind of feminist empowerment narrative. There. Yeah, there's, and there's some great comics I could point you to. Um, the Dan Slott and uh, I'm drawing a blank on the other guy. I want to say it's Charles Soule, but I might be wrong on that. Okay. Um, but there's been some really good She-Hulk. And she was also one of the first characters to actually break the fourth wall before Deadpool did it. Okay. Um, uh, so you'd have like comics or that she's on the cover just like making fun of you for staring at her and now, stuff like how that. How do we get her in the movies, right? Because that's... I, I am surprised they haven't done... I, well, obviously I, we need a Twitter I campaign. Feel like, yeah. I mean, if everyone in the room tweets Yeah, every Marvel, single one of you hashtag like, give like, us like, She-Hulk. Yeah, we want no. She-Hulk. We want right. Shulky. <laughs> um, but uh, it's but it's interesting they haven't they haven't used her because I feel like a legal drama where the lawyer can also turn into a, an eight foot tall green monster and, and break things. I would watch that. That yeah. sounds way better than oh, most I'm of the legal sold. dramas on yeah. TV. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but but I just find that fascinating because to me, like as someone who studies gender issues, like that idea of empowerment, um, and it's a very masculine sort of empowerment too. Mm-hmm. Like she's bigger, she's more sexually liberated, she wears less clothing, obviously. Um, and so she, her version of the Hulk, you know, she still adheres to that very sort of idealized kind of heteronormative male gaze uh, idea of what a powerful woman looks like, and it's sexy, right? Mm-hmm. She does not turn into the giant like muscular monster that the male Hulks do. Um, there's also Red Hulk, but the less said about Red Hulk, the better. I, I've never understood Red Hulk. Is she wearing an eye patch there? Uh, uh, this one, she's meant to be dressed like the, uh, the Statue of Justice. Oh, okay. So okay. Justice yeah. is blind, but she's, take, she's lifting it up. To, uh, gotcha. to kind of, I, okay. I, I don't really know what the, the idea behind that one was. Mm. Um, I guess we could make that the image for the episode. I don't know. I think it's cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 uh, but yeah, so I just find that really interesting. I just wonder what your guys' but thoughts were But it's still anger as opposed to intelligence, right? Right. So on the but one she, hand, she But she doesn't necessarily lose her intelligence. She's actually still very much, she has the same mm-hmm. legal mind she did. She argues cases as She-Hulk. And, I, oh. and there's a little, a nice connection there. My favorite run of the Hulk are the Peter David Hulks, if anybody knows that name, um, where Bruce Banner 
the mind of Bruce Banner was in the Hulk, and so he was smart all the time. So he would be the Hulk, but he'd walk around in a shirt and tie mm-hmm. and do equations and stuff. Was this it like was, the Joe Fixit stuff? It, or? it was the Parthenon stuff. Okay. So it's why been didn't a you lend me that one, man? I've lost it. <laughs> I might have sold it back when I was in graduate school uh, and needed food. <laughs> so, okay. Planet Hulk's really the one you want to read to, yep. for Thor and all that anyway. Right. So, okay. um, Let's talk about some other Marvel characters that deal with anger, because uh, in some of our conversations, both on uh, previous episodes of Serious Fun and also just sort of interpersonally, um, I know, Ryan, you've made a case that there are some Marvel heroes that actually are yeah. way better at dealing with anger. We talked about Rocket Raccoon before on the show. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, wouldn't, I don't know that he is better at dealing with anger, but I love Rocket Raccoon from an anger perspective. Right. Like, to me, he is this great example of, um, you know, someone who's anger, who's who's clearly an angry character, and his anger comes from a place of hurt, right? Right. And so the scene I go back to in the first, we talked about this last time we were together, Mm -hmm. but the the scene I go back to in the first um, Guardians when he when he yells, I didn't ask for this, and he's um, mm-hmm. kind of that scene is so powerful, and to me, that captures a really interesting perspective of anger and, and the, the the way in which it overlaps with other um, emotions like sadness, and that's something that we don't necessarily see from Hulk, right? Right. The, the fact that uh, emotions are complicated, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but we, we don't see, see Hulk sad. Right. <laughs> I think we discussed this. Like, a character's power was to be sad all the time wouldn't sell very well. The, no. the Incredible yeah. Sulk wouldn't really... <laughs> that wouldn't move wow. a lot of comics. I, I am really on that. I like yeah. it. No. I think we could write it, though. Let's pitch it to Marvel. Yep. No, that's... Yeah. Also, start that Twitter feed. It's or like, Twitter. Hulk, do you, like, you, you want to go fight evil? It's you like, just no, turn blue I, I just need instead. to see <laughs> We're now just writing the movie inside out, by the way. So, <laughs> Will he turn green or blue? Um, I it depends. It depends. Maybe a blue bluish green I don't know um but yeah so but I find it interesting because they come back around to that idea in the second Guardians which we can talk about now but mm-hmm. when we last talked about it, the movie hadn't come out but now it has right and um we're gonna try not to ruin it because I think some people might not has anybody not seen Guardians 2 okay we won't okay. say any ex- explicit spoilers then right um but that whole notion of Rocket as an angry individual who's lashing out from a place of hurt is a recurring theme throughout the movie because yep. essentially you have this group that has become sort of this ersatz family and it's one of my favorite dynamics in all of fiction it's the family of weirdos on a spaceship like they're brought together by circumstance mm-hmm. the only other people they have that can even come close to understanding each other is each other but they by no means should be left in a spaceship together mm-hmm. right um, and, and so like he's part of this family unit and he has a responsibility he and Groot do now but he also clashes because he has been on his own for so long and he has been so competent and on his own. He mm-hmm. goes off and does stuff that actively hurts the group and mm-hmm. lashes out when he's called out on it. And there's a scene in that movie where he meets up with Yandu. Okay, so we're spoiling the plot a little bit, sorry. <laughs> um, and they have this like thing where he, uh, Rocket's yelling at him and Yandu's like yelling back and saying, like, you, you know, stuff like, yeah, you know, I like you're like I know you. You're hurt. You know this. You, you lash out and that oh, sort yeah, of stuff. And it's like you. it's like you know I know you because you're me. And yeah. that moment where it's like these two people who are both like the products of just this horrible cycle of abuse. Right. Kind of like saying this guy gets me. Mm-hmm. And that sets up stuff that happens in the movie mm-hmm. later on. But it's this sort of thing saying, look, it's okay to come from that place of anger. It's okay to come from that. But you part of trying to deal with that is finding people who understand it and understanding mm-hmm. that you're not alone that people actually do and there's right. a moment with rocket later on in the film towards the end that like he has that realization and it's the most choked up i have ever been watching a cartoon raccoon that um, says it a is, lot it is truly heartbreaking yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you know the a point to make about rocket too is that once again, he is the smartest character mm-hmm. on the ship. He's the scientist. He builds things. Yeah. He, that prison escape in the first film is he's amazing. The, he's the tactician. That a requires yeah. a ton of... So again, anger is the opposite mm-hmm. or in conflict with intelligence. Mm-hmm. Just, and I, I doubt that they plan that. It's just an association that mm-hmm. we have right. that happens. The other character that we've, we've come up a little bit in our conversations is Tony Stark. And... Mm-hmm. One of the things that frustrates me in discussion of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the, the comics in general is that, you know, they've, in the last probably decade or so, they've done Tony Stark dirty in a lot of ways. Like, you know, their whole Civil War storyline in the comics essentially turning him into, like, this fascist um, was not great. It took them years to undo that. And then they kind of went and did it with Captain Marvel, so they're going to have to do that again. Um, but then in the movies, like, I, the criticism I've seen is that Tony Stark's a terrible character because he makes bad decisions and, like, everything bad that happens in the movies is his fault. 
And my argument's no, that's what makes him interesting. Mm-hmm. And you know, we had the discussion about this is that a lot of that does come from a place of anger and resentment in, mm-hmm. on his part. Again, a genius character is defined by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and he's, you know, in, in f- my understanding of him, at least again in the films, is that his, you know, the anger and resentment comes from this place of uh, a dysfunctional relationship with his parents, particularly his dad, you know, and that that, that seems to drive a lot of that character's kind of later dealings with things and and he's an example of someone who's anger who angry but but is still able to function mm-hmm. relatively well you know and and do relatively well mm-hmm. are we allowed to cross universes yeah in any way that How dare you i know because like, <laughs> i actually do have a cross uh, universe example on here but go ahead i mean i would say batman is right. what i've been that's reading the, that's I, what i had on here i've been reading the tom king batmans and tom king is an amazing writer i'm reading one of his novels right now too he used to work for the cia um but that is really the character the mm-hmm. talk about the repressed anger and basically making a living out of beating people up enough so that you don't kill them. Right. Right. So like how, so I'm going to say that killing people would be his. So in the last issue I read, he tries to kill the Riddler and the Joker stops him. Right. From, from doing it. Yeah. And basically like stepping in the way of the blade and and, Mm -hmm. and getting stabbed himself, which is such a weird thing for the Joker to do. Right. Mm -hmm. But he, but that's an example of Mm -hmm. anger. Just basically it's an entire series built on anger management. Well, it's interesting because I feel that in a lot of ways, these two characters are very similar. They are both defined by that sort of tragic events that happen to them. And they're both defined in a lot of ways and the way a lot of heroes are. I mean, the Hulk is as well by issues with their fathers or their issues with their parents in general. Um, Batman, you know, like, you know, Tony Stark came from what was essentially uh, in the we'll we'll stick to the cinematic universe version. But I think the, the, the comics are more or less backed this up. The story with him is that, you know, he grew up in a wealthy household. His dad was incredible. Like, you know, he had all the privileges, all the advantages. But his dad never saw him as, you know, being good enough because he he came up with Captain mm-hmm. America. He saw Captain America as this guy, like, this is the epitome of what a man should be. This is, you know, he gave his life for his country. This is who I want my son to be. But that's an impossible standard to hold a young kid to. But and anger s- plays different when you associate it with wealth, right? Right. Rather than intelligence right. or genius. And you know, and so a lot of his story, a lot of his motivation is just trying to prove his dad wrong. He's still mad that, you know, it comes out again and again, but it comes out most in the Civil War storyline where you have this thing where Captain America, and this is why I think is brilliant about that movie because they managed to make a legitimate conflict between characters without necessarily sacrificing the heroism of either. Um, but as you said before, Captain America is a bad friend, he's and I stand, by that. I stand by Captain that. I stand by that. Captain America is the but worst essentially, friend in the world. And again, um, so he says, "Look, he's an my, enabler." <laughs> my, friend, <laughs> my friend Bucky killed your mom and dad, and I knew about it, and I didn't tell you. Sorry about that. And Tony's like, "What?" And so, like, there's that so heartbreaking mm-hmm. thing. Like, you know, he had just come around, he sort of made peace with it, but now he's confronted with this guy who's basically the architect of everything that has been, you know, like all of his problems in life, really. And this guy he thought was his friend is like, no, he's my friend. I'm going to stand up for him. And, and so the fight isn't so much just a, a smackdown between superheroes. It's more of these are two guys who are just legitimately hurt mm-hmm. and angry and lashing out at each other because they don't know what else to do in that moment. Mm-hmm. Whereas Batman, I've kind of found, is in that same sort of arrested development. But in this case, like he was, you know, his parents were loving, devoted, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But they were taken from him at a very young age. And so the mm-hmm. old thing is that Bruce Wayne died in that alley. Batman came out. And essentially, it's, you can see it in, um, in, in, uh, in, in the idea that he dresses up as a bat and drives around in a cool car and punches bad guys. It's very much a child's way of dealing with this thing, like you guys said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, I don't know. Like, what do you think? Like, do you think that was almost intentional? Or do you think that there's just something that speaks about that archetype that means that it would repeat again and again in comics? That it's immature, you mean, in some ways? <laughs> that, yeah. The, he, I mean, you could put it that way. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I think you can. Um, I do find myself wondering about Stan Lee's relationship with his dad. A little bit, What, what yeah. do we know about that? I have to go back and look. I don't think he's talked about it much. <laughs> oh, okay. I think when we look at wealthy, wealthy characters, the response is always going to be, what could you possibly be mad at? Right. If you were Bruce Wayne, if you were wow. Tony Stark. Like, what could you possibly... Well, your parents are dead. Right, but we think about wealth this way a lot. Right. Like, so if you have a lot of wealth and somebody complains... A common response would be, "Well, what do you have to complain about?" Right. You have. I mean, we're seeing everything. that right now with like the the protests in the NFL and that sort of Absolutely. thing. Like, you're yes. rich, you can't complain. Yep. Yeah. But yes, you can. 
because wealth is not necessarily a, a, a panacea. It doesn't cure mm-hmm. everything. It gets right. me thinking about what anger is contingent on. You, right. You know, in some ways, it's, so it's not contingent on wealth. It's not contingent on intelligence mm-hmm. in some ways. But it, go ahead, it, sorry. It comes from, you know, and the, the two characters that we're talking about are contrasting here, Tony and, and, and Batman. You know, what you see are... I guess anger coming from very different places. Like I think from from for Batman, it's anger coming from a place of being genuinely wronged, right? You know, and like losing losing your parents, having someone take your parents from you, and being angry about that. Whereas with Tony, it does come from a place of being hurt, having been hurt by dad or le- by his mm-hmm. dad and let down by his dad, things right. like that. And and I think that's a really interesting sort of. Uh, to me, the, the the latter, the Tony Stark version, is a more interesting because mm-hmm. again, it speaks to the, the complexity of emotions, the fact that uh, anger and sadness can coexist. Um, that sometimes people deal with their sadness through through externalizing and through rage. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's a a, a more interesting uh, character trait. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me ask you guys a question about this. So bringing it back around to the Hulk, um, and, and maybe we can talk about superheroes in general. Do you think this is a useful tool for talking about rage, and especially with kids? I mean, because, you know, we, we're not at the point, I, I think that, you know, we have this image of comics as being solely for kids when they haven't been for a long time. Mm-hmm. But there's still one of the audiences that latches onto them the most. I mean, if you look around the event here, you see a ton of kids here with their parents. They're all excited for the superheroes and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is actually a useful tool for education and coping uh, with these issues hmm. you know I think so I, I would say I think there are better tools sure um, and and I actually think that we live in a really great time right now where there's been tons of movies out there about emotion mm-hmm. um, directed at kids and right. so off the top of my head I can think of two that were really good and one that was from what I hear pretty terrible um, but w- we've got uh, you know Inside Out which is um, a really great metaphor for kids understanding mm-hmm. anger um, we've got Trolls which I thought was really fascinating and actually really sort of a you just like the Justin Timberlake song didn't yeah, you yeah I do and, um, <laughs> it's yeah. an excuse for Happy Meals who yeah. are we kidding um, sorry no but, but everything's an excuse for Happy Meals so you say the Happy Meals piece but you know what, what is really interesting is how many people have seen Trolls? Do you have, you have Trolls fans out any there? Fans? You're I'm the so, only one I'm who is so proud of everyone in the audience right now. Nobody raised their hands. Have you seen Trolls? I have. I'm you ashamed know, of you, myself, yeah. but I no, but just want to throw that out there. Trolls, Trolls is, has a really interesting take on on emotion and a question about where happiness comes from. And it's actually got a pretty subversive look at mm-hmm. happiness and, and consumption of, of goods, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, so the movie based on the toys has a, yes. a thing about how buying things is <laughs> yes. bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it is. I mean, the, the idea yeah. is can you be happy? Does happiness come from within or does happiness come from eating something? Right. In this case, trolls, which are happy, right? So consuming stuff. Okay. And, and so it's a really interesting... Uh, look and emotion. The third one, um, the Emoji Movie, I've not seen. From what I'm hearing, it is it is the worst movie ever made. Um, mm-hmm. But it's another movie. Yeah, it's, people are nodding. Confirmation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so they've seen this and not trolls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I also saw the Emoji Movie. <laughs> so, but I think that that. Um, I do think that we're seeing some really interesting looks that, that f- movies are taking a look at emotions for kids in ways that they haven't in mm-hmm. a long time. And I think that's really intriguing and really valuable. Someone's right. going to steal the screen. They're going to steal the screen, yeah. I'll, yep. I'll have that's to get my right. USB drive later. You know, to your, to your question, I, I think it is a useful yeah. teaching tool in that, right. you know, for me, the central thing about comics is should you be mad about injustice? Right. right? Yes. Answer, yes. Right. Um, and... I find it useful that way, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're younger, like if you're a child, my daughter is in the audience right now, that injustices happen in different ways. They start really small when you're younger. And so the Hulk seems like someone who deals with injustice in the moment by definition, right? right? Mm-hmm. I, something has made me angry enough to deal with this right now. Right. Um, but how do you how do you talk to someone about dealing with a larger injustice right. or you know what how do you go about addressing that yeah. other, other than physically yeah like it? that's actually been sort of the shortcoming like you have like stories like they've done punisher stories about human trafficking and stuff like that the punisher is not mm-hmm. a good way to deal with that problem right. Right. it's a cathartic way Mm-hmm. But it's not mm-hmm. yep. constructive. And in fact, you have people who have actually worked for like anti-trafficking mm-hmm. organizations who are like, this is actually hurting what we're trying to do. I, I mm-hmm. mean, I think of the Harry Potter series a lot right. when I think of this and that, you know, they're, they spend so much time not 
taking immediate revenge on things. Like they plan. Like right. We have to go get this thing and take this thing over here and right. do this. That it's dealing with anger and the solutions to injustice in a long-term fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. They do get mad and they do lash out in Harry mm-hmm. Potter, but it's almost always bad right. when that happens. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, in that instance, like one of the things that's great about that series is that it doesn't romanticize childhood. Like it doesn't romanticize growing up in all. a lot of ways. It's like, a series about bureaucracy yeah. for kids. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, come on. <laughs> and well, Stephen King said that um, the scariest villain he's ever seen in a book was Dolores Umbridge. And mm-hmm. like when the guy who created right. Pennywise, the dancing clown, says that, yeah. you're probably doing something right. That's right. true. Um, yeah. But uh, I would but, agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, so that's interesting so any last thoughts about the hulk or about superheroes and anger or anything we can start uh chuck do you want to go first about the hulk just just anything any closing thoughts closing statements closing thoughts well you know it i'll just return to ryan's opening take on the hulk's anger how it can be flat and kind of boring Mm -hmm. sometimes um i think the thing that continues to make that character interesting for me is again the ability to see how people respond to Mm -hmm. anger and it's sort of an underplayed device in superhero narratives because the hero is always the most dominant figure and you're supposed to have all eyes on them and it's kind of a I think it's a neat reminder to like to keep your eyes on the margins right right and how the people that are yeah that that are on the margins how they're being affected by the actions of the characters how they respond what their mm-hmm. interpretations are because their responses are always us right right they're, that's always the commentary on us and what we're seeing right mm-hmm. Uh, and Ryan, what are your thoughts? No, I want to go back to something that, that Chuck actually said earlier about, you know, should we be angry over injustice? And the answer, as he said, is of course yes. And I think that is, to me, one of the, the things that if I, if I got to, to create a character, if I got to, to, to think about what message I want to send people about anger, that message is it's inherently valuable. Um, it isn't so much a question of should you be getting angry it's a question of when you get angry how do you Mm -hmm. deal with it and because there are adaptive useful valuable ways that we can get mad Mm -hmm. and deal with our anger um, that are constructive that solve problems Mm -hmm. Um, and and anger that's that's its purpose Mm -hmm. again from an evolutionary perspective it's to to energize us to energize us to confront that injustice Mm -hmm. that Chuck was talking about and that's the that needs to be the message and so I guess I like the Hulk in that way. I just also want to acknowledge that there's more ways to deal with anger than smashing things mm-hmm. uh, and breaking things. Well, you know, for what it's worth, my, my favorite comic is Daredevil. Any Daredevil readers in here? I've read Daredevil forever. And he's a public defender. Mm-hmm. And he is very angry as a superhero. But I'm most interested in his anger as a public defender. Right. He right. makes almost no money, but he goes to court and he fights because he's angry for people who need mm-hmm. help. Right. Yeah, but then of course that raises the whole other question of you know extra extrajudicial actions outside mm-hmm. of the courtroom. But maybe that's another episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> like the idea of superheroes as an extrajudicial uh, force. I can't talk. The Punisher. Um, that's the Punisher. Oh yeah, the Punisher is timely too. Um, all right. Well, thank you both. Uh, yeah, it's been, thank it's you. been a lot of fun as always uh, for this big crossover event. And now, uh, if you guys would like, we're going to open it up to the floor. We got some folks out there. If you have any questions, just feel free to step up to the mic um, and ask them. We can have a little bit further conversation. If there's anything that came up that you want to talk about, or you can just yell from your seat. I'm not particularly. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Like how Hulk people don't know how to deal with them, they sent him to another 
planet. I kind of feel like that's how people are in general with like mental illness and things mm-hmm. like that. Like mm-hmm. we don't understand it, so let's just push it away. We, right. we isolate it. And yep. I think that's definitely something with how kids are interested in comics. Mm-hmm. Something to kind of bring them up, like why does Batman beat up these bad yep. guys right. and things like that. So, um, you know, we uh, to your point about Frozen, um, we just went and saw Wicked for the first yes. time. Yep. And... Oh, there we go. See, there's some reaction. Yeah, yeah. There, it took Wicked. It, that it was took a Wicked. <laughs> but it's very similar to what you're saying. And I wonder if, you know, if it's if Sisters plays into that, you know, mm-hmm. the anger or emotion between Sisters. But I felt it was the same thing. Like mm-hmm. you isolate a character because they're different and they get, and that generates the anger in this mm-hmm. case, not the cause of it. Right. Well, if, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I, was just saying, I think Elsa is fascinating from an emotion perspective mm-hmm. because it is so tied. I mean, her, her power is so tied to how she's feeling and her difficulty controlling it. And, the yeah. whole thing, like conceal, don't feel. Like yep. that's mm-hmm. literally when you are like depressed, mm-hmm. that's exactly mm-hmm. what it feels like. So I mm-hmm. think that's what really drew me to her and the fact that she's not like this typical female, like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm just fall in love, whatever character. I think that right. just made me really respect her. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, I know how that's, like, a lot of people I found out in the Guardians fandom love Drax because mm-hmm. it turns out they were autistic yep. and there's, like, fan theories that he has autism. Yep. And the so metaphor thing I think people yeah. talk about with Drax is how he can't, he doesn't understand metaphors. I, I've mm-hmm. heard that in, in people talking yeah. about that in context of autism. Yeah, I definitely so. heard some uh, some autistic kids who look up to him for that reason. Yep. Um, but I find it interesting the, the the Frozen thing is interesting because when I was watching that movie the whole thing I could think about was like she's basically Iceman she's an Omega level mutant and it's kind of the same like um, it's kind of the same idea right like it's that soul, whole sort of you know she is in a world that hates and fears her for what she can do mm-hmm. and you know I, I think that, that there are a lot of parallels between mm-hmm. that narrative and what superhero comics try to do at their best is to try to say that you may feel ostracized you may feel othered but you're not alone and that there that you know things can get better and you know there are mm-hmm. ways to deal with that and superheroes do not always do the best job of that but mm-hmm. they have the capacity to do that which is um, you know and just like the same way Frozen did for a lot of people so I'm, I mean, I'm glad that these stories are out there that they're mm-hmm. trying to you know and use you, the, the fantastic to really yeah. talk about things that are very universal and you get you tend to get isolated only for certain emotions anger makes people uncomfortable right and they mm-hmm. you know if you're too happy nobody escorts you out of the building right. maybe <laughs> at least that hasn't happened to me yet or if you're too sad you know if you're upset people will try to comfort you yeah. not isolate you right like that anger makes people uncomfortable and there's an mm-hmm. interesting dynamic there between social comfort and isolation right. in a lot of ways. So very good. Thank you for sharing. Any other questions or thoughts? And, if you, and again, if you, if you do want to come up and talk into the microphone, you're more than welcome. Otherwise, we can hear you. Um, we'll just try to recap what you said. Let me ask you guys a question. Um, so we, we know the Hulk is not necessarily the best representative. We've talked about something. But what characters in fiction, like, would you really kind of like say like a specific character has usually done a good job of talking about these issues? Anger specifically, or uh, other yeah, emotions? anger. Okay. See, I know you, you know you mentioned yeah. trolls and all that, but yeah. See, like yeah. this what? is where something like Fight Club will come up, right? Sure. Right. And and again, like there's so much of that drives the narrative of Fight Club is anger, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and that you're not able to express it, especially if you want to rectify what you see as an injustice, whether it's corporate mm-hmm. or wealth, and that you have to go to some. I don't know. Maybe maybe Fight Club was the the business plan for those rage rooms that, right. that yeah. people have now that you give them a sledgehammer and they smash things mm-hmm. up. But I mean, there there is definitely a, a narrative in there about the articulation of anger, right? Um, and it doesn't work out so well. No. <laughs> so no. no. I'm going to mention, so it's not anger specifically. In fact, it's, it's depression, mm-hmm. but I think anger is relevant here. But a, a book that I've loved for like about 30 years now is Ordinary People mm. um, by, by Judith Guest. Any, anyone read Ordinary People? Anybody seen the movie Ordinary People? It won Best Picture it, a, wi- it a while ago. It did, um, and it was directed by <laughs> is Robert. Is Wolverine Red- in that? Uh, no. Uh, no, I haven't. I don't believe so. But re- you know what? If we're looking for a Marvel connection, Robert Redford directed oh, yeah, it, yeah, I yeah. think. Um, and um, it was, uh, but it's it's a story about a, a young boy with depression, or a young, I guess, adolescent with depression who uh, attempts uh, suicide. And um, and it's about him after he comes out of the hospital and kind of trying to regroup and get back to with society. And this is someone who is 
who is depressed, but you know, it nicely captures that depression isn't just sadness, that there's mm-hmm. lots of different feelings there. And one of those is anger. That right. This is someone who has a lot of anger towards his parents. He has a lot of anger towards his friends and towards his school mm-hmm. and towards his, uh, his brother. And um, it's a really, really, it, you know, if, if you don't want to read the book, the movie is brilliant. Um, but the book is, is mm-hmm. wonderful. Right. Or like uh, 11, is it? The Stephen King novel about the JFK assassination, eleven twenty two sixty three, where yeah. the character travels back. I See, mean, I've seen I've seen that. So I the premise that. there I is, that, yeah. the, I mean, but there is anger driving mm-hmm. that character, which is how dare you take away this world from me? Right. How dare you take away this great thing, mm-hmm. um, the Kennedy presidency? Thing, right. Things going well. Um, solutions to problems, but how dare you take that away? And in the, There's and some anger there. Did, did you see the uh, miniseries with James Franco? I did not. It's worth catching. I am huh. opposed to James Franco. It's on a, to on a moral, just, on a just moral like on a level. molecular no level. Yeah. No Franco, never. I am allergic to him. <laughs> but it's it's really good, and I don't know how close it is to the book, but there is this, uh, one of the best episodes of that is him essentially using like his sense of anger at the injustice of a situation mm-hmm. where he goes back in time specifically to stop, um, you know, cause one of the students is like an older gentleman in one of his writing classes. Cause of course it's Stephen King. So it's going to be about a writer. Um, but, uh, he, you know, he taught, he writes about his, uh, dad, like killing his mom and sister and all that stuff and about how much it affected him growing up. And so given the chance to go back, he decides I'm going to stop this from happening. And it's one of the most intense episodes of TV I've maybe ever mm-hmm. seen, mm-hmm. but it comes out of this place of righteous anger. Like I'm in this place. I can do this. I don't want this person to be hurt. Um, but it ends up causing even more problems, you know, by trying to take that sort of righteous um, anger uh, into the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Very Stephen cool. King's also probably pretty good at talking for yeah. a lot, about I, a lot of this stuff. Misery is a dissertation mm-hmm. in anger right. in, in some ways, if yeah. you've read that novel. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts or questions? All right. Well, thank you all very much for coming out. We really appreciate it. And yeah, thank you for letting us talk. It. And we want to give a special thanks to uh, the folks at Brown County Library who've been happy to, who've been helping us out a lot. Andrea's back there. Hi, Andrea. Uh, I want to say thank you to all, though. And uh, thank you to Mike Schmidt for lending us an extra mic. Uh, and thank you all. It's been, wonder- it's been a lot Have of a fun. Good day. Great. Yeah. Thanks. See you later. Another, frankly, really great live episode of Serious Fun. I know, I'm not an impartial observer, but I have to call it like I see it. Thanks to Ryan Martin and Chuck Ryback for being a part of this episode, and thanks to all you All the Rage fans who tuned in for this one. Thanks also to the Brown County Public Library for putting on a wonderful event at Comic-Con and for letting our little podcast shows be a part of it. Thanks again. We'll hopefully be back next year. Lots more great stuff to come this year, though, on Serious Fun. Keep an eye and an ear out. Until next time, and next time's coming soon, I'm Brian Carr, reminding you to take some time and go out and have some fun of your own. You just listened to a Phoenix Studio production, the podcast network for the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. For more podcasts, visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts.